Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hello and welcome to Conversations with the Voice of Reason. I'm your host, Benjamin Boyce, and today's conversant is Aiden Paladin, who is a longtime YouTuber who concentrates on data-driven, long-form critiques of current issues. Her videos are wonderful. She's got a depth and breadth of knowledge that I find exhilarating. And in this conversation, we speak about, I guess, current kind of culture war-ish stuff, as well as diving deeper into her version of monarchism, which she prefers over democracy. And I press her a bit to see if my own liberal values can comprehend monarchy as something other than tyranny. Again, she's an exhilarating person, and you can find her streaming constantly online via the links below, as well as her videos. If you enjoy this content, consider liking, subscribing, and donating if you feel so moved via the tip jars below. Without further ado, here is Aiden Paladin. There was this phenomena called BreadTube that I think it's mm -hmm. worn out its welcome, but there's still pretty big names out there. I'm wondering where you're seeing political energy in, um, on I guess, in the YouTube kind of Twitter sphere, but like in, in the sphere that you've been involved in. Something is amiss, I think. The the bread tubers, yeah, I mean, Vosh was a bread tuber or is a bread tuber, I guess. Um, so you could put Hassan in that category as well. Hassan and Contra points. Contra points. Well, yeah, I guess yeah, Contra points made a video about it even. So I suppose so about bread tube. We know for a fact, this is not, this is incontrovertible, that a lot of these people were being paid for by the UK government. Um, specifically to make uh, uh, specifically for vaccine stuff but they were getting paid by the uk government uh we know now also via chad logic has done some reporting on this that a lot of these bread tubers were also being paid by brianna Wu's pack to talk about socialist um ideas hmm. so these people aren't they are not just um they don't just exist in isolate yeah. they yeah. are getting outside funding that Maybe some now, I'm sure that that Ben Shapiro and the and these other like really big conservative groups probably are also getting PAC money, right? Yeah. But there's it does seem to be a little bit disingenuous, particularly when it's not being disclosed, because you are supposed yeah. to disclose that kind of stuff. Well, I don't um, think it's just about them being funded, but mm -hmm. also their ideological enemies being either deboosted or deplatformed, yeah. especially yeah. in the 2020 um, era. Yes. Well, because it will, um, particularly after Gen 6 and before that, re regarding everything surrounding COVID, if you had anything that approached a um, dissenting a opinion on COVID, then 
for any reason, even if he were a scientist, like um, who was that that one guy who got banned from Twitter? Actual doctor Malone, was it? Yeah, Doctor Malone. That was it. Yeah. yeah, where just had to basically come back after the fact and say, yeah, he was actually right about all that, but it wasn't good for the messaging, so we just got rid of him. Or all of the Twitter files that have come out that showed that Twitter was actively acting again to suppress the Hunter Biden laptop story, mm. to um, suppress conservative voices. Yeah, up until in that way, with Twitter at least, sure, Elon buying it has made a positive shift towards people with more conservative or um, dissident beliefs being able to say what they think. But it's... And I do think bread to BreadTube is falling apart such as it is only because they always eat their own, eventually. Uh, with with Vosh, right, Vosh is one of his big defenders on the um, creep stuff is Keffels, who Keffles. raised, yep, yeah. raised $100,000 to sue the Canadian government, well, to go to the Civil Rights Tribunal, which doesn't cost any money to file, by the way. Um, and uh, no evidence of any filing year and a half later just ran mm -hmm. off with that money and yeah. where did that go i mean besides into a coke fund but sure it's if they're not eating each other then they're making really bad tactical decisions because i think a lot of these people are used to not being questioned and being on top because the algorithms were promoting them because yeah. their ideology was being promoted by the people who run these different websites because they agree with them yeah. they're also socialists in that they're champagne socialists um, you know i i like the uh just the image of like the power fist you know yeah yeah and and you know i'm, I'm fighting against the power but every single regime uh tendril what, what's what's the arms of an octopus it's, is it the um yeah it, it's a uh, yeah arms um tentacles yeah. Yeah, tentacles. Yeah, every single tentacle of the regime is like supporting mm -hmm. you. It's like right. actually, no, you're being fisted. You're just the fist yeah. that the regime is <laughs> right. using on everybody else. Oh, uh, speaking of 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 things changing, there's been talk lately of the idea of putting the woke away because it seems to be very mm. unprofitable, right? So, yeah. do you think that that's a a fantasy or? I don't know a friend of mine did a stream about it the other day that i listened to and seemed to have some pretty good evidence that they are trying to walk it back but but don't get your hopes up on it it's yeah. not that they're just going to put it away they're just going to find other ways to enforce it or manipulate people just because this particular their particular ostentatiousness and excessive forcing yeah. of people to do the stuff they they were boiling the frog too fast i think is the answer uh for example speaking about the the fist the every year for years and years now when it's pride month when it's june every one of these mega corporations goes and put makes their twitter profile pride flag except um, unless their uh their twitter profile happens in to china. be in uh, yeah china or <laughs> afghanistan or something yeah, like that. right 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 but they'll make their Western profiles, all, pl all pride flags. They didn't do that as much this year, or this last June. Mm -hmm. And it was noticeable that a lot, uh, and people were asking about it on Twitter, like, why didn't you change your profile pic? Don't you stand? And the same thing with um, Black History Month. I didn't see almost any of that from corporations this year. Yeah, Where was all that? Where was all mm -hmm. the BLM stuff? BLM is, I'd say, nearly dead in terms well, of Well, it's not any... useful. No, it's not. Well, because it's largely based on lies. Uh, demonstrable lies and I think 
everyone knows it at this point. I mean, it was crazy that I, I think even after Kyle Rittenhouse was acquitted, there were still people going out on the news saying he shot and killed three black men or three black people. Like it's just complete and utter mm-hmm. lack of 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 understanding of these things because it's about shibboleths. It's not about truth. Huh. Is it is it also about demoralization? Because the putting mm-hmm. the woke away, like at this point in time, and it's partially on me because I've been studying and dealing with this woke stuff, you know, um, and we both know what woke is. And I believe my mm-hmm. audience, every once in a while, there's one random commenter like what is woke you know but i think we kind of have established that but like i just i see everything in terms of skin color i see everything in terms of sexism i see everything in the media as an engineering project to equitize uh, discourse in one way or another so i'm very skeptical and 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 it it bars me from enjoying a good story at this point because i have to do that calculation oh sure i I mean well what it is is it's um and they don't like this phrase either, but it is accurate. It's cultural Marxism, which is that it derives from trying to equalize perceived inequalities between. Now, Marxism it is about equalizing differences between the proletariat and the bourgeoisie. Mm-hmm. Cultural Marxism then is about trying to equalize the distance between the um, oppressed and the oppressors, which who has more cultural power. So that's about, yeah. well, what does that mean? We need more representation of black queer women in television. And that part's falling apart, too. Hollywood is, has been in flames for a, a couple of years now, I'd say. And, yeah. and the last year's um, box office was absolutely abysmal. Like, almost every single movie, but besides, what was the, there were a couple that didn't flop, but mm. Barbie, Barbie and Oppenheimer did well. Mm. But Barbie did well, even though it had woke messaging, if you want to say that, because but here, here's why it's woke messaging worked, in my opinion, because hmm. the woke messaging was it's a movie aimed at women. And the message was nothing is ever your fault ever, ever. Oh, so of course, women loved it. Like, duh, of course, it made millions and millions and billions of dollars because it's telling people what they want to hear, even if it's hmm. not a good message, hmm. even if it's a uh, progressive message. Yeah. It's one that is pleasant to half of the population so and then uh, there's you know margot robbie is is beautiful and um what's his name gosling. Um, ryan gosling is is fun so men can go watch it too can be dragged along with their yeah. girlfriends their yeah. wives to, to watch it so so it can you there's this guy who i just is just getting really popular right now on twitter and and i think he he derives from tiktok but he's also on youtube it's called ho math he does these really uh, pretty uh, diagrams, and he goes through the TikToks of the girls like blaming everything on on men, not yeah. finding them attractive anymore. And he's got like all the different diagrams of what women want, what men want, and, and he goes through it. It's pretty entertaining and stuff. But oh, check that out. The uh, the narrative. It's not your fault. Uh, yeah. the, the fault with that narrative is that what's your responsibility then? And I'm trying to imagine a movie that would be. Uh, well received by males or you know people who enjoy male centered stories where there's no responsibility like it's not your oh, fault no. it's not responsibility there's no story there no i mean what, what the other movie that did well top gun top gun maverick right yeah men went out to go see that that's all yeah. about responsibility yeah the, the movies that men seem to gravitate towards are ones that 
place men in roles of responsibility yeah, as a hero yeah. right of the hero's journey the movies that women like generally speaking are ones where they're uh not they don't have responsibility and they can put themselves and I, there's actually there's been research on this which hmm. is the kind of movies that women like are ones where they can insert themselves into a pretty much blank slate protagonist they want to be the woman in the story men want to be like the man in the story men mm. want to be want to be like batman they don't want to be in that story acting as batman right women whereas they just want to that's why uh, the twilight films are probably the best example because huh. kirsten stewart's character is a tabula rasa she is so blank personalityless that any woman can insert herself into that position nothing changes about the story hmm because she doesn't have any personality. So it's it could like be a narrative Matryoshka doll. You just kind of like, yeah. you just fit yourself in there. Put yourself right in because there's nothing there. Whereas again, men are aspiring to. Mm. Uh, that's why get, you know, men say, I want to be like Superman. I want to be like Batman. I want to be mm -hmm. like Captain America. Mm -hmm. I don't necessarily want to be him or insert myself into the role in the film like that. Yeah. But uh, which I, feminists would call that like a power fantasy or something i think that's more about responsibility though that men enjoy that power fantasy of yeah. well i mean there's there's tension there there there's mm -hmm. tension and then there's action and then there's development too mm -hmm. like there's character development in in the grind exactly yeah i uh have you ever seen steel magnolias i don't know why we're talking oh, about man. this but it was, it was, uh, so it's got sally field in it julia roberts really young um shirley mclean dolly parton um daryl hannah um i've heard of it but i don't think i've ever seen it well uh my wife it's one of her favorite movies and and we sat down as a family to watch it and it was just so difficult for me to listen to it because it was so much chattering and they were just gossiping about each other I, like I, I had to go to the other side of the room and kind of tune it out because it was just so it there was just so much dialogue and and verbiage and it was just yeah. this swirly swarmy kind of overly communicative thing it was just it was really interesting to see the movies that i like and she can get along and 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 suffer through the movies yeah. that i like but the movies she <laughs> likes it scrambles my brain it's really difficult for me to to like inhabit that space it's really busy it's just it was just an interesting um it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hi, I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Because women tend to be more more socially oriented and yeah. men tend to be more action oriented or, yeah. or object oriented. Yeah. That's just, you know, a fact um, uh, of differences between men and women. And that's fine. But that would be why. Yeah. A movie about which I've, I've never seen it. Like I said, I've heard of it, but I don't think I, if I saw it, I was very young. It's but, very um, ensemble -y. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I like girly stuff in terms of, of 
girly stuff in terms of uh, like what film and television. Oh, I love Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but I Why? I hardly think it's because uh, it's fun. It's it's just because it's a, a legitimately fun and funny show, uh, and it's I do like the character drama in it too. There's you know uh, oh is is Buffy gonna hook up with Spike or with or with Angel? Okay, there's some aspect of that that's that's the girlier part of it. Hmm. And and Buffy's a very girly girl, but for the most part, it's just a weird uh, uh, fantasy. I'd say it's like uh, cheesy, just a mm. little show. So it's really fun, but that always gets considered a girl show. Um, I know lots of guys who really love Buffy. Yeah, but I was actually just talking uh, recently about like my favorite girl movies, and I said like, well, number one is Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. But hmm. it's another one where I think anyone can enjoy that because it's got amazing cinematography, not just cinematography, but the way that it's edited. It's very fascinating. It is a love story. Maybe it's an anti-love story, I'd say. Yeah. Uh, and then after that, I said, um, oh, uh, th uh, th uh, 500 Days of Summer, which is also an anti-love story. <laughs> That's with um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah, love it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, which was one of his his earlier roles, but it's also like an anti love story. And then the last one I said was the Fountain, which is just uh, oh. Hugh Jackman, which I love. But that's that's also just a depressing movie where Hugh Jackman's wife dies of cancer. I mean, that's like wow, yeah. fantastic. But I would call those more. I think anyone could enjoy any of those films, men or women, but or anywhere in between, I guess. But mm. um. They, they are very emotionally uh, laden in many ways, um, in a way that like a superhero action flick or a Top Gun, but isn't as as just hitting you with hard emotional stuff that's intended to make you cry, essentially. Yeah, yeah. But that's how I'd call a girl movie, this, even if it's it, not for women. This might be a curveball, but I'm interested. So every once in a while, you see these demographic breakdowns of how America would vote if it was just this group, that group, this group, that group. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see that the American, uh, the Democratic Party is fueled by minorities and then college educated women. Yes. And so I'm just wondering um, your thoughts on a longhouse type and by longhouse, like kind of basically a matriarchal, very level, um, bureaucratic kind of gossipy. Everybody's controlled by um, uh, the means of like uh, social cohesion is the is yes. the highest goal rather than excellence or exploration or something like that. I'm wondering like what what you think about um, the messaging, how that works, and then like the kind of society that it builds when when that kind of mindset, that longhouse, that um, the the cat the lady uh, highly mobile Hillary Clintonite feminist NIMBY yet um, right. very virtue signaling about the minorities and and you know and the, I'm wondering if that is it, to what degree do you assign the cause of a lot of different problems in America like the border crisis or or just kind of the sluggishness of our economy to that kind of mindset or if that mindset is just the outcropping of something. Else, like I, I've said for a while boxes. that I think that um, leftist ideology, broadly speaking, left-leaning ideology, is inherently feminine because it is group-oriented, whereas more conservative ideologies, for the most part, are more in not inherently all the time, but more inherently masculine in that it, particularly libertarian ideology um, and republicanism, uh, true republicanism, are about individual rights. 
it's as Kunat Lenin calls the title of his book, it's liberty or equality. It's you have one side that is about equality, really equity at this point, but equality yeah. in terms of what they perceive equality to be, which ends up being equity. It's that everyone is equal in one way or another, and we have to try and make things more equal all of the time versus liberty, which is rights, which is and that's not which is different from freedom. Freedom is 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 anarchy. Freedom, actual freedom is just anarchy. That is the natural okay. state of of animals. Okay. Liberty is is, is um, rights under a system, uh, wherein so such as um, for example, you can't just go kill somebody because they piss you off, right? So yeah. there's and there's positive and negative liberties, um, things that you can't do because they harm others, and things that you can do. So I think that that's the fundamental difference is that it is a feminine ideology or feminine leaning ideology about wanting to care for others or be seen as caring for others, which is actually kind of important because of the social nature. It means also inherently that you don't just want to care for others. You want everyone to know how much you care for others so that you can gain social capital by being seen as a good person who is living up to this equality based system. Yeah. But the, the the contradiction of that, having social capital means that you're more important than somebody else. And so somebody of else course. is going to take you down because you're not equal anymore. Well, of course, but but that, that's why it, it's inherently contradictory, because yeah. <clears throat> the purpose of it is not really about being equal. It's about looking like you want everything to be equal. Because again, mm. someone like Hassan, for example, a millionaire espousing socialist ideology, but he... he does he give away all of his money to make everybody more equal? No, of course not. It, it's not about actually being equal. It's about the giving off the illusion that you uh, care about liberty or that, me, that you care about equality so that you gain social capital. And it, it's, it's, this game is old <laughs> as, as hell at this point. Okay. Um, and I find it quite tiresome. But if you would like to, if anyone wants to do some more reading on it, the quintessential book, quintessential book on it is Eric von Kuhnert Leiden's book, Liberty or Equality, The Challenge of Our Times. Okay. That's really what I would recommend. So I, I'm just as tired of you of the equity um, stuff mm -hmm. and looking at the equity, but I still struggle to get my grip on this liberty part. Could you help me um, enshrine that fabulous value? So liberty is there's two types. Again, there's positive liberty. These are the things that you can do. And then there's negative liberties. These are the things that you can't do because they infringe upon someone else's liberties. So that's pretty much it is that it's allowing maximal liberty under a system that doesn't infringe on others' rights and that allows everyone to, in terms of the positive liberties, maximize your own freedom so long as it does not infringe on others' rights and doesn't cause any kind of upset to the society in terms of... Um, th that's the problem with freedom, because freedom un operates under no rules. Liberty under operates under the rules of law. So that's laws are either allowing things to happen. Those are positive liberties. You're allowed to do these things. Mm -hmm. And then negative liberties. These are the things you're not allowed to do because they're violative. So, I think that's I think that helps. So there, there's a system, though. Mm -hmm. So what is the system in your mind best founded on the system of law? Like when, when it, you look at that. Personally? Um, it's monarchy, but uh, you can have it under any system of governance. Okay. Can you describe Kuna, monarchy for... Well, Kuna, Kuna Lenin um, argues for uh, liberty or equality from a monarchical system because his argument is that the problem with democratic systems, be they Republican or not, 
yeah. is that people will ultimately vote in a block. They won't vote based on it because the average person doesn't know anything about politics. They might have a little niche personal issue that really bothers yeah. them, but generally they vote for whatever their group told them to vote for. And they will make very bad decisions because of this, because they don't, they're not paying attention to politics all the time. It's impossible to, it's too much cognitive load. You can't, unless it is your job to be a professional political commentator or analyst, it's just absolutely impossible to understand all aspects. And even then, let's say you're a, a, you actually are a political analyst. Maybe you you only pay attention to national politics and you might not know much about international politics. Yeah. So it's very difficult for one person to ever have a full, complete understanding of it. There's it, just too much cognitive load in it. Yeah. And when you ask someone to make a vote for a politician or uh, for you know some ordinance or whatever, you're asking them to understand absolutely every aspect of it. When people go to the ballot box, instead what they do is base their thinking on nothing more than group ideology or excuse me, group identification because that's the most salient to most people. What do I identify as? What is my group psychology? Mm -hmm. So in the, in America, it's Democrat or Republican, which one, and that's usually, what is my family? Are we Democrats or Republicans? What are my friends? Are we Democrats or Republicans? And that's where people basically stop thinking because it's, it's just too much load to think about it more complexly than that. For the vast majority of people who, again, have lives, they have got families, they've got jobs to deal with. Yeah. And they can't think about all these things down the line. Mm -hmm. So I think that that's what leads to that is just, it's, so, it's just and the, group and within the person that you're saying is arguing for liberty versus equality in an anarchist system. Kunatlinen is arguing uh, that Hoppe does uh, argues okay. uh, more from an anarchist point, an anarcho-capitalist point of view. Yes. But uh, okay. the uh, person I'm talking about, Kunatlinen, uh, his contention is that monarchy is preferable because it removes voting. You have instead a monarch who is raised from birth to have pretty much one job, which is statecraft. So now, it's already someone typing, hearing this. Well, what if the monarch's insane? What if what if it's yeah. the, the what if it, the king is crazy? Yes, that could happen. I present to you the uh, an opposite or counterfactual. Yes, throughout history there have been crazy monarchs. Yes. However, Joe Biden, democratically elected, uh, eighty-one million votes—the yep. most votes in history—and he's a senile old kook who likes to sniff kids. So, just saying that because someone is democratically elected does not also make them potentially crazy. Democratically or, elected, right? <laughs> right? Right? Yes, yeah. sure. Just because someone is democratically elected doesn't make them a good ruler either. The difference is politicians decide to become politicians now there is an element that they are also groomed it, it, because they come from these political families where you know you're gonna that you know you're gonna go to skull and to certain these elite universities you know you're gonna mm -hmm. go join these yeah. skull and bones private or, or private groups and they're going to make it so that when you do eventually run you're gonna have a very easy time because you've got all these friends in high places so there is an element of that but they're not trained in statecraft the reason that's different too is that Joe Biden leaves office. He and he, let's say he's legit, you know, been the most corrupt president of all time. Now, a graph came out recently or a chart that said that President Trump was the worst president or like <laughs> one yeah. of the worst presidents ever. It put him lower than. But historians um, said that. Yeah. Right. A historian said it. It was absurdist. But and that Biden was near the top. 
But it, let's say let's say Biden's just was at or let's use Trump because they, they always come up with crazy things about Trump. Let's say Trump really did want to uh, dig a moat, dig the Rio Grande into a moat and fill it with alligators and snakes and put snipers in watchtowers and have them shoot migrants in the legs so that they'd fall into the moat and get eaten by alligators. This is a real that was a real thing that was claimed at one point. Oh, or uh, by like a legitimate a source. Oh, OK. A White House insider claimed that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love those insiders. But they, like they're and fan then, fiction for the yes, TDS and, set. And the other day, there was another one that, that came out about his from another insider about him meeting uh, and going to a trip to Japan in like 1990. Yeah, I and saw saying, that today. Yeah, <laughs> and saying like, yeah, I won't, I won't eat any raw fish uh, and then asking for a cheeseburger and then to meet the prime minister. And when they said they get back to him in seven months, he just left or something. Yeah, the, the emperor. Uh, <laughs> like, I want to see emperor, the emperor. Right. Like, well, uh, we will maybe see you in a year. Well, I'm out of here. This is not for me. <laughs> I mean... The thing that's funny is that when they write stuff like that, they make him sound cool to me. Like it just, it just. Mm. It does but, like you're reading like an Americanized uh, uh, what Plutarch, like Lives yeah, of the Roman yeah. Emperors kind of thing. Right. But uh, I think that the reason that they write that kind of fan fiction, I don't know why I got off track because I was thinking about the alligators and snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what was that? You were talking about like the most corrupt president. So it, right. in opposed so to monarchy democracy. Okay. Yeah. Yes, thank you. So let's say all of that's true. And not only that, but Trump also, he caused an insurrection. He tried to overthrow the American government. Let's say all of that's true. Well, what's the worst that can happen to Trump? You're going to put him in jail. I mean, that's what they're trying to do. But So mm -hmm. let's presume all of this is true. What's the worst that happens to a monarch who destroys the country? <laughs> Off with the head. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like there's a, yeah. there's a significantly, and not only that, but there's a familial and hereditary element to the monarch. Do you want to, your children to also potentially be killed? Uh, see the, the Romanovs? Because that's, that's what's on the table is that if you really destroy the country and you have also no reason to destroy the country because the country is your property and the people yeah. are your wards. So unless you really are truly deranged, and it has happened, obviously, you would want to leave, leave the country in a better state than you came into the throne under for your children, because everyone wants to leave better things for their children, again, unless they're insane. Yeah. So a Democrat, democratically elected representative, on the other hand, can just basically, I mean, again, what's the worst that happens? They spend a couple years in jail, but what happens in 99% of, of cases of fraud or, or misconduct from democratically elected politicians, they just walk yeah. away. They yeah. resign. Bye. Yeah. yeah. Which system sounds more inherently able to be corrupted? And that's one of the major arguments of Kudatlina. Well, uh, one of the pushbacks to that, to a fair-minded, sure. centrist, um, not leftist, not rightist, so-called liberal classical liberal person is the um threat to their freedom the threat to mm -hmm. their liberty the 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 assumption that people aren't capable and shouldn't make choices for themselves and with regard so they go from the political like if i can't make decisions about political policy issues then whoever's making those decisions for me would just as easily start making social decisions for me telling me uh who i can and cannot uh associate with um what i can and cannot ingest um 
you know, what I can and cannot believe. Like I should have the ability and everybody should have the ability to develop and make bad choices or good choices according to what they want. And so the just the idea of monarchy on a political level is transposed into the idea of a theocracy on a personal level, right? Where we are going to be controlled and regulated by a centralized authority who doesn't, who cannot know my own truth or my own uh, you know, what to do with my life, how, how to live my life. There's a couple elements to that. Okay. Um, first of all, what is, so you said who I can and cannot associate with. Well, you're, if parents say that they don't want their kids to uh, go to school where they have drag queen story hour and uh, be taught uh, transgender ideology, uh, those kids are not being taken away from their parents. So that's under democracy. In terms yeah. of whether or not what what people can or cannot consume, were people not forced basically at, with at the prospect of losing their jobs to take a vaccine under a democracy? So all of the things that that you mentioned there are things that can absolutely can and recently have happened. Under how democracy. is that? How is that democracy's fault? How how is that? I'm, like, I'm not if, saying it is. I'm just okay. point, just pointing okay. out. All right, good. That, okay. that this that Thank this you. is not that this is not necessarily those kinds of abuses of power. It can happen in any, any system. system. Yeah. The monarchistic system and why I think it's preferable. Now, sure, I guess that could happen, but a king is motivated because, again, the land is his property, the people are his wards, to not make and can make bad decisions, but to not intentionally make bad decisions that would intentionally harm the populace. Also, t traditionally in monarchies, yes, you have a king, he's going to ask for uh, taxes in order to run the country. But no. for the most part, things were handled on a very local level. You had a local lord that you would have replied to or, or well, that you could yeah, have appealed to. Technology exists where it makes it possible for people to get their fingers in all kinds of stuff. Like, like to go back in time is to also say that it was sure. just a yes. different landscape of control. Sure. But um, if we're talking about the everything that we consider to be sort of liberal values were developed under a monarchy. So there's nothing about liberal values, if you want to call them that, that are antithetical to monarchy. I mean, the Magna Carta, for example, that was about coming to a better conclusion there of trying to figure that stuff out. Okay. But if you and if you read also the Federalist Papers and a lot of the writings of the Founding Fathers, most of them actually were really up in the air on them, whether on the idea of a president. Um, uh, Jefferson in particular, or and, and Hamilton, uh, actually kind of thought that they wanted to just make George Washington king. That the problem was not with monarchy as a system of governance, but that the problem was a three month a three month gap between the monarch being able to respond or help or do anything and yeah. the Americans on the other side of you know the Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. So I think even when the founding fathers are are having a hard time justifying and knowing and if you also again read these papers, these documents, they predict very much of what I was talking about is that people are going to fall into voting blocks. They're going to vote for the guy they like, not based on anything more than because they like the guy for some reason or another, or because they're uh, associated, they associate with him via social identity. I think that the, the why democracy is more dangerous is that it causes people inherently to see half of the population in, in a two-party system, for example, as their enemy. That's not the case under monarchy. 
Well, not only that, I would also add that it um, tends to politicize everything more and more and more. It, it's just like uh, the taxes. If you look at the feudal times, taxes were much lesser than they are now. Like governments yes. are currently like taking half of our paycheck and then like dispensing of it through all these like government jobs yeah. and stuff like that. Right? I have those. I, I can pull up the statistic on it, but it's it was like three percent. Yeah. Uh, Which, again, so, is like technology and the way that, that trade work is completely different back then. But mm -hmm. um, also, sure. like socially, everything in a democracy tends to be politicized. Like a, like a, a woman's body, let's just say, sure. is a political object. And, and you have uh, these... Uh, I, I, I don't know, maybe, hopefully you can give me a counter to this, but you have these activist blocks like feminists or BLM within a democracy because the way that we think about governance is that it's of the people, by the people, for the people. So I need to have not just like a, a red or blue tribe, but I need to have my identity tribe and therefore my identity, yes. the personal is political. And what that does is make every... It eventually leads to cultural Marxism because every single thing that's politicized is reduced to the function of power and control rather than yes. love, responsibility, respect, where monarchy would have to be founded on these other values of like, like you were saying, like a, power, the, it's still power. It's still power. All, poli all politics are power. Ultimately, the reason yes. why the right fails is because we have people not tend to have Christian ideals that are higher than than power. And that's why yeah. they lose because they think about things like, <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I mean, but the left, the left is correct on that one. They just are. Yeah. They know how yeah. to play power politics. The right refuses to play it because they, they have these ideas of, well, no, we need to play fair and we need to make sure that everything, you know, is by the books. And the left just yeah. goes, no, we're just going to burn it down because we yeah. don't care about anything. There is no truth but power. They will say this slogan and repeat it dogmatically yeah. because it's how they feel. I don't think yeah. they're just making that up. Yeah. Um, so it's all with the king. The power politics are obvious. The power is in the king. Yeah. So and and by doing so, though, the too, power to what, though? Um, I'm sorry. Uh, go, go on. To rule. Go on. OK. Yeah. With, with I, just, I, I need to I, I'm going over Wait. it and, and I, I've been getting comments lately that it sounds like I'm an idiot and I am an idiot. But I <laughs> no. always go into these conversations with the tabula rasa. I just want to see yeah. the basic things because a lot of our differences come down to just basic perceptions. We need to nail these things down. So sure. power is hermetically sealed in some way in a monarchy if you take the Magna Carta into account. Like there's liberties, the king is defined, power is defined. Mm -hmm. In a democracy, power is not is 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 not sealed. Diffused. It seeps it's diffused, but it seeps into everything. And power ultimately corrupts the social fabric because there's yes. no separation between so called church and so called state or power and the life. way the way we often describe it when we talk about it on my podcast is that the difference is that you have with a democracy with the monarch you have one head of the hydra power is concentrated in this one place yeah. where yes it could go badly but at least you can draw back to where the power relies in a democracy there's many heads to the hydra and if you cut off one another will just take its place maybe worse than the last that's a big issue and that with and that it inherently allows itself to be corrupted because People who are just interested in power or in money or in you know sex or something like this that they think they can get out of the system. What's stopping them? And they're particularly when they face no punishment. Mm. And what's stopping someone worse yeah. or just as bad from taking their place on the? And they could be from the other party because or another political um, 
you know, group or whatever. It's the same reason why you find that, as you said, the breakdown into these really tiny isolate subgroups. That, I believe, um, is also part of the leftist paradigm, uh, which I would call Gnostic, is that, um, and, and comes out of Hegel directly. So what, and Dr. Lindsay has talked about this extensively, but the idea is that that cultural Marxism, the inherent idea is that the the di Marxist dialectic is to break down everything under the lens of class. Everything has to be deconstructed under the lens of class to make everyone equal uh, and to um, level a playing field between the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Hmm. The cultural Marxist uh, paradigm, which, and then I would say all of that comes out of Hegel and, um, and other Gnostic thinkers, which is that it doesn't just stop at, and we see this, it doesn't stop at class. It has to be race. It has to be sex. It has to be gender. It has to be yeah. everything. Everything must be broken down and deconstructed so that you can ma make everything Equitize equal. Equitize the Escalon or something. Eschaton. Right. Well, <laughs> yeah, if you want to get into the metaphysical <laughs> aspect of the um, uh, Gnostic stuff, it's so that, well, once we break everything down, well, that actually the the world Spirit. was created by an evil god called the Demiurge, yeah. and then once we break everything down, then we, and we uh, deconstruct the false world that the Demiurge has false created for us, then we then, then we can ascend in, beyond the Pleroma and become one with God or something. Now yeah. the left leftists don't say that part; like they've not got, they're not in the not most of them. I think. Well, would you admire them more if they did? Oh hell yeah, <laughs> absolutely. If they if they were telling me that they were just Gnostics who yeah. uh, think that you, everything needs to be broken down. and But ultimately, even though they're not using like that religious Gnostic uh, verbiage, that is what they're saying. It's the progressive march through history. Everything has to be deconstructed. And once you've deconstructed that, there's everything has to be deconstructed. Again, it never ends. Yeah. Yeah. The progressive march never stops. Yeah. That's why there's always a new issue. Every week, every day. Left, left me. Like I was, I was bagging yeah. on that term, even though a lot of my friends are. A lot of my friends, mm -hmm. and I am in. I'm, I'm just a stained, you know, in liberalism, and that's how I think, and I am that way. But I still think, well, politically homeless is just like an abdication of responsibility. The left, left me is an abdication of responsibility. It's like no, either, either it was right. Either it was this thing or it wasn't this thing. And this thing having left you means that maybe you're leaving it. Maybe it's always going that way. Maybe this pro progress is just going on to the next thing and then the next thing and then the next thing. And the difficulty with thinking that way is that you end up making a conspiracy theory. Great video, by the way, of, of uh, the slippery slope tying, let's say, men um, chemically altering, altering their bodies to breastfeed children. You tie that to gay marriage and you say, right. okay, well, and, and I saw a really great clip of a debate between Barack Obama, Senator Barack Obama, I think he was a senator at that time, and then another like counter candidate from the right, a black guy, very, very articulate, and I can't remember his name, and I apologize for that. But the guy was arguing that once we loosen the definition of marriage from its once we start to play around with these deconstructive games, then marriage doesn't mean anything anymore. So it wasn't attack on gay coupling or, or gay civil unions. It was on the concept of marriage. And you can see that the concept of marriage being attacked is that it was attacked by the same process as the concept of woman is now attacked. It's the exactly. same process. So maybe there's an alternative reality where gay civil unions does not lead to men 
birthing babies. But the path in which both things happen politically is the same path. It's the left, left, me kind of path. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's because the progressive march never stops. It always yeah. has to, everything has to be reanalyzed. There, there always needs to be another issue. There always needs to be a grand new civil rights issue, a grand new social issue, because yeah. that's how you motivate. Well, one, that's how you motivate your base, but to constantly be agitized because the, the conservatives are just trying to, for the most part, like leave me alone, conserve, leave me alone yeah. uh, and, and just stop. This was enough. This was enough. Yeah, right. And and I think that you, you even at, at this point, when I've seen recent polls, the vast majority of conservatives are okay with gay marriage even, or at least gay civil unions. But it, it does, on some level, make me a little bit uh, annoyed to have to admit that the the right was, they, oh, were, they were right about the gay marriage thing, about it being a slippery slope. Because it's been, not, not in and of itself, but it has been used, the same yes. arguments that were used for gay yes. marriage, have yeah. now are now being used for yes men can breastfeed and there's no such thing as a woman and uh men should be able to beat the crap out of women in in uh sports and all this stuff yeah. um and, and i'm i'm not a feminist but the the interesting thing there is, is watching all these feminists suddenly freak out and be like wait a minute maybe we got all this wrong and mm. i don't think they i think they just sided with the wrong horse uh in terms of they wanted something they wanted women to be able to vote. What they didn't realize that the outcome of voting like that is that it does inherently go into that progressive march. People vote as a block. They will continue yeah. to vote as a block yeah. and they will continue to vote for more and more progressive policies, which inevitably, because you have to deconstruct everything, you will end up exactly where we are, where the left does not know what a woman is even. Yeah. I, I was, thank you for that. Um, bringing up the feminists. Um, because I was I was wondering what we're talking about about deconstructive nature like the constant politicization the new issue the new issue the new issue it seems this is another contradiction it seems counter to the longhouse we want everything to be it seems like the ideal world maybe I'm wrong the ideal if if you just think of women as a voting block the ideal would be a fair peaceful sedate uh stable society but it doesn't seem to be the the outcome of that if you look at san francisco like it, it's decaying it's falling apart mm -hmm. because nobody's keeping it stable but like it seems like the tendency would be to want to just nest if if we just take the feminine psychology 
as given, it would seem like that they would tend towards something more stable than those progressive policies actually lead to. There's a contradiction well, here. Could you help me with this? I can give you shooting? a conspiracy theory that's that's based on oh, a lot of very, very hard data. Uh, it's hormonal birth control. It's hormonal birth control. Uh, basically, like half of all women have taken it at some point or another. And a, a huge amount of women, particularly left-leaning women, take hormonal birth control. Hormonal birth control alters the basic chemistry of a woman's body that locks her in the lateral phase of her menstrual cycle. And when women are stuck in the lateral phase, they are attracted to more feminine-faced men. And uh, they uh, don't tend to uh, pair bond. Or no, excuse me, it's, it's more masculine-faced men um, that are, would be bad providers. So they tend to, they make antithetical decisions to what would be good for them to find a long-term partner. So a woman's inherent empathetic nature gets reversed. She's looking for wrong things that would not be good for her long-term in terms of raising children. It also alters what's called the major histocompatibility complex, which is the closest thing that we've found to um, human pheromones, where what they'll do is that they will, in scientific studies, They'll put like, um, they'll have women smell like a man, right? And she can pretty much instantly tell based on olfactory senses if he is genetically compatible or not, based on a genetic drift. Like, so it's like it, it, not too hmm. genetically similar and not too genetically dissimilar. Women on hormonal birth control cannot detect MCH, a major histocompatibility complex similarity. Hmm. It's just, it doesn't, they can't do it right. So I think that this, by the way, creates a preference for outsiders for not parts of the in-group so women inherently the loss have... of the hermet uh the loss of the distinction between us and them yes and it and it's because and even preferring yeah. that when you add the uh pr progressive agitation preferring the outsider right because the outsider is necessarily more important than you so women inherently are, are more high empathy and more high group oriented so that's why they, they, one of the reasons why they vote for, oh, it's baby bird. I call it the baby bird complex. And look, I'm prone to it as much as anybody where you see somebody and, you know, oh, starving African, starving children in Africa. I want to help them because you have an empathetic nature. I, I get that. That does not work in a system of, as, to, as a voting block to vote for, for just constantly trying to help other people out because then it comes with no responsibility, for example, no accountability to those that you're helping. That's not fixing the problem. It's just throwing money at it. Throwing money at something doesn't fix it. I recently um, did a video about Claudine Gay. And one of the people that she actually tried pretty hard to oust from Harvard is a black scholar named Dr. Roland Fryer. He still works at Harvard. One of the reasons that he is maligned by academia <clears throat> is that he found, for example, that when you, rather than just throwing money at black inner city schools, but you had children go to school for a longer amount of time, work in small study groups, and not accept failure. So no, uh, what was the Bushian program of... Uh, no child just, left behind. No child left behind. Yeah. When you don't accept failure, they did as well as, as white students at more affluent schools. So mm -hmm. at, that kind of stuff really didn't, does not, the left doesn't like it. They don't like that kind of stuff, that it's not you can't just throw money at a problem or you can't just express your sympathy and your empathy and which yeah. is what women tend to do in terms of how they vote more often than men
Men can yeah. do it too. There's lots of soy boys out there who think with emotions rather than feeling or rather yeah, than facts, yeah. to be fair. Yeah, but, well, and their, their fantasies are probably the most sadistic on uh, of, of anybody. Well, if you know anything about male feminists and uh, their general track record of um, yeah. being weird towards women. But I think that's, I think that a major issue is hormonal birth control. So many women are on it, particularly left-leaning, left-leaning women. That screws up the whole pro- brain processing of um, yeah, uh, in-group versus out-group distinction, um, it, preference for men, um, and also screws up the empathy system. So I think that that's hmm. on top of women's inherently more empathetic nature. It's why women tend to vote for things that actually hurt them in the long run, hmm. uh, unfortunately. I, I wonder, so there is... Um... And I don't know to what extent it's an actual real thing or if it's just an aesthetic trend, but there's this idea of like the trad wife or, or the the aesthetic appeal of, you know, and, and it's it, it's dressed up like it's kind of like it's clickbaity kind of like really pretty women making it's, baked goods yeah. or whatever. But there is it's a LARP. I th- the yeah, part, there, there's I'd the LARP say. aspect, but I think that if we are going to go forward and to any solution is going to absolutely has to speak to women's interests mm-hmm. and to men's interests and, and um, not just galvanize, but motivate the self-interest of men and women. And absolutely. the, the gender discourse fraught as it is, is still, if it's aimed towards harmonizing the relationship realistically between men and women and, and, you know, large, uh, you know, just from a large point of view and then allowing the individual variation to also inhabit that gender kind of not roles, but guide rails that, that align mm-hmm. with the self-interest. If the right is to win, it needs to include and adulate women. Yes. Women's power is not to be underestimated. And maybe oh, yeah. it's not voting power, so-called. Maybe it's not sure. external power, but it's going to be, if it's not that, then it's going to be uh, the, the old school, like the hand that rocks the cradle and behind every great man is a great woman kind of power. Sure. So uh, what okay. is the role of women and how do they, how do we, how do we um, hijack their empathy and their vanity in order to empower the right? Let me just put it in the most Machiavellian terms, the, just for sake sure, of argument. Sure. The, the right, such as it is, um, which is the difference <laughs> between the right and the left. Well, well, I say that because the left is, is more of a unified block. They yeah. will by go definition. along with each other yeah. pretty much on anything as long as that's what other people who, even though one might call themselves this type of socialist or that type of, uh, you know, anarcho-communist or whatever, doesn't matter, or just a Democrat. They, they tend to align for power purposes because they understand more than the conservatives do or bro- the right, the importance that, that all politics is power. The conservatives, that's libertarians, that's rhinos, It's just, and they're, none of them agree on anything for the most part. Besides kind of leave me alone. And even then the rhinos aren't great on that one. Hmm. So in order to, one of the things that I've noticed with the women, with women recently, and I've been seeing it more and more on like TikTok, is that women are clearly miserable. If we look at the statistics, I've done a video on it. Women are miserable. They report being absolutely miserable. When you look at graphs of women's reported happiness and satisfaction, life satisfaction and happiness are two different things. Happiness Hmm. is um, hedonia. That's feeling good. Sometimes things, having a newborn infant doesn't make you feel very good, now does it, if you're being woken up at three in the morning to have to go breastfeed? And it's probably not a very like pleasant feeling. However, the opposite, life satisfaction, that's eudaimonia, meaningfulness, that mm. 
goes up with things like that. So something might not make you happy mm. physiologically, but make you feel fulfilled. I think that, and we've seen on both measures, happiness and life satisfaction since the women's rights movement, women are miserable. And then they'll go on TikTok and they'll say things like, why can't I find a man? Why did I spend my whole life uh, getting all these degrees and, and doing all this stuff? What, why All I want to do is stay, stay at home and have a family. Because, and it's okay if you don't want to, but I think a lot of women do, and they've been socially conditioned to believe that that's not correct. I mean, I, I certainly was to a certain degree as well. It's like, no, you have to go to college. No, mm -hmm. I'm a bit of a weird sped, but in terms of, I just, I like in, intellectual stuff. Yeah. But not, a lot of women don't. A lot of women just want to find a guy to take care of them so that they can stay at home and have a family. I think that yeah. it, it, I mean, it's easy. It's not a, like an easy job to raise children and be a housewife, but it's also not the hardest job in the world, which has been bandied about by you know, kind of feminist uh, think yeah. tanks and stuff for years. Yeah, uh, Bill Burr's got a big, uh, great bit on that. Yeah. Toughest job in the world, sure. Yeah, not not laying asphalt. Okay, but very silly there. But uh, I mean, that's that goes back to it though. About the um, divesting oneself of responsibility is the is the female fantasy. I think. Yeah. Oh, it's well, my hard, hardest job in the that, world. Uh, that that just works sure. against the political project of of uh, centralizing, um, not centralizing, but um, cleaning up the mess. If women, if women as a voting bloc don't want responsibility or want the system to take care of the problems, and then they get to express their empathy effectively through altruistic means that charity are, and yeah. you know, which is what was basically happening throughout all of human history up yeah. until fairly recently, is that women would take on a charitable projects, yeah, uh, in, yeah. In, particularly in their local, you know, with their church or or in their their town. Yeah. Things that they could they could use to express their empathy. They weren't these like global or national level uh, ideas of, of voting as a block of women for, you know, helpings or even at a city level or something of what's best for. Again, look at what it's done in places like San Francisco, which are essentially just it's just a slum and there's homeless mm -hmm. people everywhere because we wouldn't want to take pick them up off the street. We wouldn't want to force them to get off drugs because that's not very nice. Um, and, and, and it does come down to it's misplaced empathy. A lot of that, I think, is also because women aren't having children, so they're looking for something to take care yeah. of. Yeah, I, I need something to take care of, and I'm yeah. not gonna. I don't have children. Uh, I've got my cats, but I don't have anything else, so I, I need something to take care of. Uh, now, again, as a monarchist, I don't think anybody should vote, but <laughs> but that, and I explained my problem with that is because voting, even with republicanism, leads towards mob rule, and leads towards mob rule mentality and an us versus them mindset. That's very dangerous. That being said, I'm certainly against 19. If anyone's going to vote, I'll go with the Heinleinian model of uh, service guarantee citizenship, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, you have to, you know, landowner uh, be be working for the. And I think women could be able to vote if under that model, if it was it, you're doing something as a service to your local mm -hmm. area, um, mm -hmm. serving mm -hmm. as like a, I don't know, some. some a nurse or something or not a nurse but someone who's doing something helpful yeah. towards tying 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 it to ownership ownership fire, is the theme fire, that i'm fire, sensing fire. here in monarchy like all the way mm -hmm. all the way down all the way up yes. like the model it's, of it's the family it's ownership it's the whole system is identity. hierarchical based on the family system so let let's go uh bottom up so or no top 
you know, bottom up's e easier. So you have a child. Uh, above the child is mother, who is most usually closest to the child in terms of actively yeah. rearing and, um, and you know, uh, engaging in the day-to-day -day care of the child. And above mother is father, who is the one earning money in a traditional system, right? In a, in a more traditional system. But either way, if he's one earning money and also protecting, if someone breaks into your house, who who is going to, to fight off the intruder? Is it going to be mom or dad? It's going to be dad. So there's a level of hierarchy there. Uh, father is, is in charge of the household to a certain degree uh, in terms of level of protection. So mm -hmm. mother protects child, father protects mother. Above that, you would have, in a monarchical system, uh, a lord, your local fiefdom lord. Now, this person is looking after this local area of land that he makes money from. Again, not incentivized to destroy his own land and property uh, by needlessly mm. harming the peasants, right? Yeah. So this person is sort of like a father above that. And then above that, you have the king, who is also responsible for the lords, making sure that they don't um, do anything stupid, that they don't do anything to destroy uh, his property, because ultimately, they're just kind of renting it. It's his, all the land is his. Hmm. And who is, and in the traditional monarchy system, who is above the king is God. So we have father, 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 basically. It's, it, mm -hmm. it goes all the way down in terms of responsibility. Because who is the, now the king is responsible to the people, but the king is ultimately responsible to God. Because in a traditionally yeah. monarchistic system, there is a Christian element to it. Not in all systems, but there's usually that idea that we're, it's the divine right of kings. Because how else do you explain why the king became a king? Now, in yeah. a realistic sense, from being usually a warlord who consolidated a bunch of power and then uh, you know, yeah. developed a heredity uh, based on uh, yeah. control of land. But the explanation for it that works and has worked in order to create the most, some, the most stable societies in the entirety of human history is the divine right of kings. And that means that even if you can't behead the king, that God's going to do something at some point. I think that's... And because it follows that same fam that same familial model of father and child, that it that it reflects then the monarchic system reflects the natural state of the human order, and that's so why it works. We're going to get into places that I'm really really ignorant of, so I don't even know the right question to ask here. Sure. But to what degree, and if you don't really uh, want to venture here, just uh, we mm. can go in a different direction, but to what degree does the economic system of so-called capitalism interfere with this monarchism? Uh, it doesn't seem, does it, do they coexist? Is there examples Absolutely. of uh, highly capitalistic and, well, and by which capitalistic, I mean, mercantile corporations, like very strong entities that are doing like big projects um, work in you. conjunction with the monarchy. Let me Here ask you, what, what, what's, the, what's the richest nation in the, in Europe? In Europe? Is per it, GDP. Is it America? Because we basically <laughs> own. <laughs> okay, besides that one. The richest, it is a very small country. They have the highest is, GDP. Is it Luxembourg? Luxembourg's right up there. Okay. Guess what Luxembourg is? Uh, a very small, very, very small little place. It is like a constitutional monarchy. You could stone from one yeah, border to I, the other, right? I know a guy from Luxembourg, or, or used to know a guy from Luxembourg. Is this a limerick? No. I, no, I, it could have been one. <laughs> like, but I used to be good friends with a guy from Luxembourg. Luxembourg, constitutional monarchy. Okay. Switzerland, constitutional monarchy. 
All, these really small, very rich nations are all constitutional monarchs. And very, I'm sorry to go here, ethnically homogenous, homogenous. or genetically homogenous. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. Those, those very, very wealthy nations, though, are largely constitutional monarchies. Now, myself, I'm an absolute monarchist, which I had to, took me some... Versus a constitutional monarchist. Yes. Uh, the reason why is is a little bit more complicated in that the constitution Rule me harder, Daddy. Right. Well, it's <laughs> it always... <laughs> but the constitutionality, like I said, I think inherently it's going to lead to more heads of the Hydra because when you have more and more elected figures, you have less, you have more and more diffused responsibility. An absolute monarch is better at consolidating it. So if the monarch is crazy, again, one head to slice. Yeah. Uh, but that's. Now, I've had people respond to that by saying, well, then his kids are going to want to take it out on the people with still one head to slice isn't there. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I mean, it's it's at the end of the day, there's still one, one head there uh, in, the, in terms of the successor. So it, it is never in the monarch's best interest. And these are people raised from birth to know how to govern because they take they're taught all their lives how to govern that's not the case with democratically elected leaders look trump I, I i'm a fan of trump to a certain degree what are, what are your thoughts of baron like the little uh fever dream right-wing <laughs> fever dream of uh augustus yes baron, i, I, I kind of like the meme i like the meme of trump just crossing the rubicon and making himself emperor and and, and naming Ruben his successor yeah i like it as a meme but it's not realistic yeah. um it's just a, just a little joke i think but yeah. In, in terms of, I mean, would I like that to happen? I think it might be preferable to the current. I mean, who would system. know better than than the embattled Baron? I mean, just right. imagine yourself like this total naive kid, very just stands out and is just watching this complete corrupt system like destroy his father destroy and his, his father. father survive, and yeah. and his father just somehow keeping theory. It's like, okay, yeah. And I don't know, like the perspective of power that a person in that position, if he's uh, smart enough and given the um, the correct education. Mm -hmm. could be a very formidable either I mean, ally or enemy politically it, it depends but i mean that's that's the idea though that's the basic idea is that yeah baron would be this phrase is is not because of its implication but groomed from childhood into adulthood yeah. into the art of statecraft uh groomed has a very negative connotation yeah. these days you know for obvious reasons but uh, in a in a political sense yeah. um and because that's what happened throughout history is that you know pick a son, your oldest son, usually, uh, unless there was something weird going on uh, because they were soft in the brain or something. And either way, and train them their whole lives to be like, this is how the system works. This is why you need to protect the system, why you don't, the, the, your land, your people, your property. When you look at it from a libertarian perspective, the, the monarchist system, I think, makes more sense because it is purely mm. libertarian in terms of the main focus is protecting private property. If the whole country is your private property, why would you destroy it? Why would mm -hmm. you do anything to harm your private property? Unless you're insane. Because that's always the response I or, get to well, that. Is, uh, it's not just that, but just making bad decisions. Like, bad decisions sure. would scale. Like, an American king would... He could, you know, just declare just the project of roads he's just going to fix all the roads and you probably mm -hmm. have like in a yarvanite point of view you'd probably have a much more efficient uh hierarchy of accountability and like we're going to get things done and, and just a mobilization but at the same time if the king says well we want a road there like he would just 
kick out anybody on the land. Conceivably, you'd kick out and dispossess anybody who's in the way of his will, right? There's so many uh, balance counterbalances things that you would really want a ruler that has good um, counselors to to go through all the permutations of the effects of any given decision. In uh, in Kudat Leiden's model, he has uh, provisions in it where his his model is something like let me pull it up. It is something similar to a. Um, it's not quite a. Uh, dogs. It is not quite a constitutional monarchy, although he does include a constitution in it. One moment. One of the things, though, that he says that he wants is a. Sorry if you can hear it um, shaking outside. We have a really bad windstorm over here Ooh. the last couple of days. <laughs> so. Um, is it like something? Is like the tempest kind of thing? Is it, things I mean, going to get freaky? This is where it was written. So yeah, right. or, around, around sort of the area. Yeah. So no, no, it's just, it's, I, I'm also, I'm sitting next to a, um, the, the entrance to our attic. So there's a little door here and it shakes. So Kudat Lennon's proposed, proposed system is that there's an elected diet of representatives so that there is representation. I, and mm -hmm. I, I agree with his model. I think it's like the best kind well, of- Well, you need information flow. That's, that's, we know right. that from communist right. versus capitalist systems. You yeah. need information. If the king, if the king doesn't also know what what the people want to know how to govern, then he's going to be clueless. So I agree with Kudat Lenin's system. The, oh, wait, and I'm sorry, just to slow down. So the people do have will. Their wants yeah. are addressed. And the king would trust his subjects. That's how there, it works be, in, in there'd history. There would be mutual trust. Yeah, I just I want to... Because people in this frame of mind, they think of monarchs as tyrants, as yes. Hitler. It's just they think that it's a Hitler a one-way thing. And even Hitler had advisors and stuff like that. Yeah. And maybe I'm uh, dis, uh, disregarding a lot of Hitler's uh, uh, ability to, to rule because of why and what he did with his rule. But right, I just I have to disabuse the yeah. people of the notion that monarchy is stupid. Oh, I, I think so. The reason why I think so many Americans in particular think that is one, because our history is, well, told from our perspective. And well, we kicked King George's butt. So, yeah. you know, so we, we were we liberated. Won. Yes, we, we were liberated over. And by the way, what, 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 of course, was the impetus? What was a horrible thing that King George did? Too much taxes on tea. Now, look, I'm a libertarian also. So uh, I also am not. Get your hands off my tea. tea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But a little bit, it's not like George was sending out the Redcoats to slaughter Americans over, yeah. I don't know, kill all the firstborns or something like that. Yeah. Um, but uh, so in Kudat Linden's pr proposed system, it's an elected diet of representatives, uh, a non-elected executive branch of people from, this is the part I have an issue with, by the way, but I'll read it out. Okay. A non-elected executive branch of people from all levels of society who are able to pass a competitive examinations and act on a two-year probationary period before being able to act, um, make any decisions. These two branches, the um, the elected diet and the non-elected executive, are supposed to temper what is good with what people want. My problem with the non-elected executive branch or um, executive branch having to take that comp competitive test, who determine who determines the test? That's always been my contention with that part of leading system. Mm -hmm. As someone who, who knows a lot about developing tests for different types to measure different things in psychology, for example, mm -hmm. um, I'd you be would want you would want to be you would want to 
do the test. No, I'd be, I don't know who should, but um, that's, you would that's want to test the test taker. I want to test the, yeah, I want to test yeah. the, so the they test should be elected right or at least, uh, do you, do you have, uh, do you truck with experts? Like, oh. like this expertism? No, not at all. I, I okay. despise expertism. And again, as someone who's been in academia my, my whole adult yeah, life. Yeah, exactly. So this, this is a good person to ask because yeah. you are um, meritocratically honed by your videos. You're, you're highly intelligent and, and you, you take feedback seriously. You take your criticism <laughs> seriously and you, and you show your receipts where you can. Um, so you would be an expert or at least in the running to be an expert, but you still have a problem with expertism. But somebody's got to be the experts, especially in a world with nuclear power or, or like these sure. infrastructures and stuff and, and like medical, these medical systems, these behemoths, like there's got to be an expert class. Well, the, the, my best solution for that would be blind peer review is that it should be, is that let's say we come up with, um, what, so what is selective the test? pressure? What, what is the test? So we're coming up, we're going to come up with this competitive test that should be taken in order to determine if someone um, is able to ascend to this non-elected executive branch because they're an expert, right? Mm -hmm. Then that should be sent out to everybody, like, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of scholars and people who are quote unquote experts mm -hmm. to be peer reviewed and reviewed and reviewed and meta and meta analyzed to make sure that there's as best as we possibly can, that it would be a good test and not a test of ideology and not a test of anything else other than competence but hmm. like as we've done with iq we're i mean we're pretty sure that it's measuring something it's measuring like for example pattern recognition and that's out of a lot of years of testing i mean ne nearly 100 years of testing and, and retesting so i'm just a little little skeptical on the on the competitive test i think it could mm -hmm. be developed but i'm weary on it the next one is that uh, the monarch has a crown council that is comprised of his appointed advisors, representatives of the diet, that's the elected represent the elected representatives, um, the experts, and the Supreme Court, which I'll get to in a moment. Uh, and the crown council will serve as a mediator between the experts and the will of the people, with the monarch having the final say. And then finally, the Supreme Court, which is appointed by another issue of contention, the church and universities, according to Leiden. He's writing this in... 1946 or so when the church right? and the universities were both right maybe a little bit more respected yeah, yeah considered a bit less completely and utterly um loss taken over yeah right now so i don't know maybe again another giant peer review kind of system yeah that but hey that that in a way is democracy you're having a democratic sort of element in there if you do a you have experts determine who yeah. should be appointed to the Supreme Court. Yeah. But it can be vetoed. Any um, election to the Supreme Court could be vetoed, vetoed by a two-thirds majority from the Diet. That's, again, the elected representatives. So you have another layer in here where if the people, the will of the people, really says we do not want this person on the Supreme Court, if they all agree against the experts, they have a, a way of, of stopping it, of stopping yeah. that election. Leverage. Um, yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, this this was Leiden's response, I and mean, I, I think he's brilliant. I, Moldbug cites him all the time by Curtis Arvin. You know, he cites Leiden quite thoroughly. Um, I think uh, Moldbug comes to some different uh, conclusions about a lot of the stuff, but I think probably one of his most not his only one. James Burnham's another one that he he cites a lot, mm -hmm. but uh, who's worked at the Machiavellians, which is um, fantastic. Burnham's great. The mm -hmm. Machiavellians. 
I, I suggest everybody um, download the audiobook. Uh, Skeptical Waves on YouTube yeah. has a nice rendition. Yes. What What does your society, your ideal society, do with midwits? <laughs> well, what, what, what's the problem with midwits in this case? I mean, ultimately, at the end of the day in this, the king's got final say on almost all of this. With the, unless basically the entire society goes against him because this is just to finish on the Supreme Court. So the Supreme Court examines the compatibility of laws with the Constitution. So this is a constitutional system, um, the Constitution and morals and ethics. It holds absolute veto. So they can the Supreme Court can out veto the king, but it's the only system or element of government they can. And um, yeah, that's it. So with the exception so that. If the Supreme Court totally decides that the king is wrong on some decision, then they can veto a decision from the king. Other than that, the king can kind of veto other issues. But for the most part, a king's not going to be interested. This is another, this goes back to sort of some of the stuff that was brought up earlier. Why does the monarch care about what happens in some little town and what they decide to do to, you know, orient their own laws? As long as it's not being completely violative of, of something that would destroy the country. Like hmm. if your town decides we want to make a law where you can't leave apple pies out on a windowsill on Friday. So, I mean, you know, like one of those very silly laws you get in rural areas of America that are from uh, some time past that we have no idea why they're on the books. If it's not causing distress and it's not, and it's not in any way upsetting the society. Mm -hmm. The reason why I, I ascribe to monarchy, in fact, is because I think it maximizes liberty because it allows people to, for the most part, do whatever they want. You're not going to be held on to such strict with with a democratic system. It's all of these hierarchies all the way down, all of these bureaucracies specifically that have to run and everything to and such a tight degree and, and obsessive degree. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. however, if you I don't think that's necessarily going that wouldn't necessarily be the case under a monarch. And it wasn't historically people that could make their own rules in their own towns. What what about um, the problem of ethnicity? Can a multi-ethnic, uh, maybe multi-racial, I don't even know if that's the right term, uh, society, just like you were saying about like a properly functioning woman will be able to smell the correct amount of genetic drift, not too close, not too far. Mm -hmm. uh, I wonder if you can select a king that is too far away from you genetically. I wonder if there is a, um, if there is a, obedience level that that's genetic that or that's ethnic and if you have too many ethnicities if 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 obedience to the ownership and the rule of one is possible when there's so many different cultures i'm wondering that because mm -hmm. there is a question that keeps on popping up in right-wing discourse about ethnocentrism ethno-nationalism and uh, different sorts of tensions between the different ethnicities I've not thought about that. Um, I, if, I think like most governments, most forms of government, it probably works best in a society that is largely of the same ethnic Relatively group. homogenous. Ethnic. Relatively homogenous. Just because it, it's easier for people to get along if you look like me. And, and this is not, it's, it's not even like actively racist or whatever. We know that it, in babies react, infants react more quickly to the face of someone of the same race as their mother or whoever is acting as their mother, because even when they, they've done this with um, adopted parents as well, whoever is acting as mom, the baby will react more quickly 
to their face uh to the face of another person of the same racial group who looks more similar to mom um than someone who looks very different that's if you're going to call babies racist for that i mean i think that's a little bit silly but it's just because we react more we act, have more positive reactions to people who look more like our mother essentially yeah um and i don't think that's racist i think that's just that's evolutionary psychology and you're not and you can't one of the things that I think the left really struggles with is that they don't like evolutionary psychology and they want to rewrite it, but that's not possible. Like, I mean, 40,000 years, maybe you could do it, but why would they have a, a problem long time with that? That, uh, because it implies that the baby is racist. There's even books about, about why that specific thing is racist, that, that babies react more quickly to the face of someone of their same race than, or the race of their mother than another race. Why, why would racism be bad then? I mean, why why would the so-called left have a problem with so-called racism? Why does that? Why is that a moral failure? Yeah, it's that Hegelian thing again. It's that it's that cultural Marxism of everything has to be equal. There cannot you cannot. Well, it's a pure everything spirit. has to be deconstructed. How do we deconstruct it? By the way, by putting up the oppressed groups, uh, tearing down the bourgeoisie and raising up the proletariat to make them equal. But while we're doing it, there's going to be an inequality, and that's on purpose, so that we can eventually equalize them so that there is no difference between groups. And that would be the way that, that they do it with race, is yeah. that the baby's not reacting faster to the face of a, a person not of, the, if the, let's say it's a white baby and they have a white mother, the baby's not reacting as expediently to the race of a black woman as it is to a, a white woman. That's racist, racist mm -hmm. baby. They, they wrote a book. There was a, there is a book, anti-racist baby, and I think that was part of its contention. <laughs> uh, you have to decolonize the, your babies. <laughs> that Kendi is like a thought leader of our time, and such an <laughs> indictment of our time. I know. <laughs> well, but th that's it. That's about breaking it down. The fact that like a basic evolutionary psychological force that mm -hmm. baby reacts faster to someone who looks more like mom than someone who looks very different right you can't untrain that there, again 40 for maybe in forty thousand years but not anytime soon we're, we're kind of the conversation's drifting again and i yeah, wanted yeah, to sorry. bring this up to you no it's it's my doing um but it's my good because i like to drift mm -hmm. um and you're a wonderful person to be adrift with oh thank you there <laughs> is this book that came out and then there was this really interesting interview um clip that surfaced on twitter yesterday uh the book is called white rural rage and it's written by two people who happen to be jewish these two jewish males and they went on to this um program I think it was Morning Joe, which is a regime prop. Oh. You, you actually showed a very telling clip in that uh, conspiracy video. Mm -hmm. Was it not your conspiracy video where they said that these people are trying to tell people what to think? Yes, and that's, that's our, our job. job. It's our yes. job to tell people what to think. So it's yeah. by admission. I mean, I think it was a Freudian slip, but still. Yeah. By <laughs> Freudian admission, they are the thought leaders. They are the ones who are advancing this idea. And the re the writers of this White Rural Rage book get up there and do this tirade about the white rural um, demographic being the most xenophobic, the most violent, the most dangerous threat to democracy. And, uh, right, which is always kind of weird, but there was so much hate towards this group, the deplorables group, 
And yeah. and the host was able to say, well, you said a lot of negative things. Let's unpack that. And she, she got to play like, well, let's slow down there, bucko. But mm-hmm. the fact that they brought up these people to slander this yeah. demographic so, so egregiously. It's like... How am, and then and then you have the commenters on Twitter bringing up the Jewish question, like why are yeah. why is this why we keep on why do they want us to play this game so much? Why are we being sucked into this ethnic contingent? It's so dangerous. I'm wondering what your thoughts on that. How to avoid that? James is James Lindsay, Doctor Lindsay is very, very adamantly yes. against Christian nationalism, white nationalism. Yes. He's trying to think. He's trying to pave that liberal way forward. On the same hand, the DR, the dissident right, has a lot of reality with it about the ethnocentrism that is just baked into human beings. And to ignore yes. that is the same thing as to uh, go the feminist route where sex ends at the at the neck, right. right? Like, to what degree do we be realistic? To what degree can we expect in, to engender harmony, not necessarily equality, but harmony in the races when we're playing mm-hmm. with this thing? I'm bringing up a lot of things because I'm really worried about this stuff. I am too. I, I have... Uh... I really deeply respect Dr. Lindsay, but um, he kind of he does this sometimes. It's, he he's on Twitter all the time. He kind of sniped at me a little bit because I just said something that I think that one of the things that that I believe is probably necessary to have if you're going to have a multiracial, multicultural American melting pot, it has to be Christian because there has to be something or some kind of unifying identity. There has to be identity. universalizing identity morals that transcends. Yeah, okay. Right. Morals. So yeah. Okay. There has to be some sort of universal moralistic system that everyone can understand and abide by. I'm not like, and I I get why Dr. Lindsay finds that problematic. If you want to use the term, uh, is worried about is thinking about the satanic panic and and yeah. and, and the and theocracies and stuff, yeah. which I understand. <clears throat> However, the founding fathers were all Christian. I. Uh, Separation of church and state, I'm still on board with, but we're talking about I hear about somebody the, screaming in uh, the comments they, that they were deists. Right. Sure. But <laughs> I think that, and I think the Christian moral system, for the most part, is a pretty good moral system to, to go by um, in terms of, you know, love thy neighbor. Uh, it, it has a lot of libertarian aspects to it. But if everyone believes that they live under the, the same God, I think that's easier to try and get people to get along with, particularly if we're talking about a multi-ethnic because you you can't put the genie back in the bottle in that for America, right? Like that's not undoing it. it are you going to do the Lincoln program and send all, and send the blacks back to Africa? Because that's what he he proposed. Uh, that's not happening, right? Uh, Libya you know, is what we what resulted. Liberia, from yeah. Liberia, Liberia, yeah. yeah. But uh, which is not in a great Liberia. state. Uh, but uh, so that's all. I mean, that's that's absurdist. Uh, so unless you want to divide the United States into a bunch of ethnic enclaves or something, or racial enclaves, which I also don't think is happening, then the better way, I think, to try and ameliorate the problems and differences between people is to try and find a unified moral good. And in my opinion, Christianity is a pretty good way of doing that. And up until very recently, African-Americans, for example, were like the most Christian group in the United States. I think they might still actually be by a margin or so. Mm-hmm. And I think they're also, I think there was more racial... I'm talking about like the 90s and the 80s. It was a, that where we had like that peak kind of racial, we're all getting along kind of stuff. There was still a relig- religiosity there and still a Christian religiosity largely. That's almost all gone, mm-hmm. I would say, in, in, in mm-hmm. the modern culture. 
Yeah. Some of my solution. Well, yeah. Okay. So um, you say putting the genie back in the bottle with regard to race mixing, and that's a loaded term. Oh, I, I don't mean, mind. Like no, a, lot, a lot of people, I, I don't know who's listening to it. Right, that's right, what right. I'm, just, I'm just saying. Like, there's a lot of like people. You can't like just separate people. <laughs> um, can is secularism necessarily another genie that you can't get back in the bottle? Because Maybe just not. like the the liberal can't understand the monarchist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't see the sec- sec- I don't see the secularist understanding uh, the reemergence well, of religiosity as anything other than a fre- threat to their freedom of thought. Unfortunately, they're all religious. They're all religious. They just they follow a, a secular religion. They follow li- liberalism is their is their god. And I and I, I don't mean hmm. that in a disparaging way, but the way that they that I I see people even on like the more center side react to any kind of. Um, critique of of classical liberalism or any kind of liberalism or leftism is they act like i have attacked their their god hmm. just by just by critique well when you erase god then i think it is it is seemingly to me so let's look at all of human cultures is there any culture that we have identified anthropologically that doesn't have some spiritual belief i don't think so if there is one i'm not aware of it does it have some sort of belief in the ethereal I don't think that that exists. And the reason why it exists is from also evolutionary psychological purposes to make sense of the universe. And uh, also as a a sort of understanding of of, uh, the passing of time and and history, that these things, that things, horrible things that happen, they must have a reason for it or it it helps to just explain the inexplicable because we're, you know, just apes at the end of the day, to some degree. Hmm. We can't understand like these, we can't, fathom things outside of really our perspective so every culture has has some religion or has had yeah. one at one point in time yeah. that means it's inherent if every i mean look at um the uh uh joseph campbell's work on this of course about the um uh the god with a thousand faces and he went through and looked at that there, every culture has a god it might not look the same as your god but every culture does yeah. so why would every culture on earth evolutionarily have developed a sense an idea of a deity it's because it's it's evolutionary. It has to be. But, That's how I come at everything. It's like if everyone's if every single group on earth is doing something, there's a yeah. reason why. And it's evolution. The, the the necessary um condition and please correct me, because uh, I, I know I'm I'm venturing into territory where I'm gonna be incorrect by uh saying this, but the the necessary f- condition of faith in the Christian God is that it's a uh it, it it happens from the inside out. It can't be imposed. You can't oh, yeah. you can't impose that on anybody. So you have to have a liberal wiggle room for people yeah. to not believe or to believe in the God on the spiritual level. But right. on a social level, in order for cohesion to adhere, people need to at least give lip service to it. And if they're giving lip service to this woke ideology, which we know is deletory and, and destructive, why not just have them give lip service to the Christian? <laughs> why, sure. Why, like, why not sure. just say, okay, sure. just say Christ is king. I'd be much, uh, much rather the people in power saying that than what they're saying currently with, uh, you Sure, know. but... Yes, I think that what it comes down to, you could pick any religion then, as long as it's not like insanely prima facie harmful. Could be okay. I'd pick anyone, right? Like not like like some religion that's just like you know go immolate yourself or something. I, you know? Well, that's uh, happening too. I mean, come on, they're, they're sacrificing sure. babies and burning themselves alive. So. Oh my god! Yep. Um. Yeah. But 
the point about is about the social cohesion aspect and the other part that christianity used to get right and this is i think where you actually doesn't have to be christianity it's about morals and a big part of that is shaming we need to bring back bullying and we need to bring that shaming because i think the reason that this stuff goes so crazy is because there is no concept of shame anymore at all at all yeah. if, if you can say no no you can't go uh, and and take that child away from their parents and uh mutilate their their genitals and if you and if you say that you want to then we're going to make fun of you and we're going to socially shame you we're going to ostracize you yeah. and that's what the left well, does and that's why they win by the yeah. way yeah and that's why so, they win yeah i was thinking um i was thinking this is a so many parents are divesting from uh, public education in america yeah. and we well, know that reasons. kids that, that kids these days that haven't been bullied are the most tyrannical generation um most short-sighted and thin-skinned and tyrannical at the same time demanding safe spaces and taking hostages to get them um <laughs> that some there's a there's a niche here for trauma informed psychologically adept bullying where you can go around and hire me to come and bully your kid. I think I would get paid. I would have some sort of moral, um, you know, pleasure out of that. Some eudaimonia and oh, well, eudaimonia for me, eudaimonia for the kids, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think that here. look, I, I was bullied horribly in ways that I do not think were were helpful because yeah, exactly. So when you say bring right. back bullying, like there's there's a there's levels. There's something that you're saying, but you're not saying what people automatically think that you're saying. I, I don't want children to be traumatized. It's not what I'm saying. When I when bullying, I'm more talking about adults bullying other adults into being like, "Hey, man, social that's pressure, weird. scarlet social letters. pressure." Yes, yeah. yes, man. Maybe not. Let's you don't have to go full scarlet letter, but uh, I, I mean, if you're out there on the streets wearing a what was the rainbow monkey oh, dildo? Oh, Do you remember yeah, that thing? Yeah, like, that if you're was out there been, doing that. Yeah, that was in a library. Yes, it was in a, a, ch a library in front of children where they were. It was a rainbow monkey wearing a dildo costume. Yeah. Yet, no, you need to be shamed. You need to be shamed for that. You shouldn't be celebrated for that. You need to be shamed. And, and I'm just that's. I, I think that's. The, I do think shame is a good way forward on stuff like that. I'm not talking about when I say bullying. I'm not talking about horrifically bullying children. I was horrifically bullied, so it's not. I'm not. Is that how you came to Christ? Because that's 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 <laughs> my question. Let's oh. wrap it up soon because I'm just sure. I'm interested. Yeah. Because can I? Are you a Christian? Yes. Are you a Catholic? Uh. So I. Okay, you're working through. I, I'm working through. You can it. tell I'm, me your denomination, but I just I'm I'm wondering if you want to share it's like your come to Jesus moment. Like oh, yeah, what sure. the process is. And because especially intelligent people have a problem. Uh, I think maybe intelligent secularists can box themselves off from faith because it requires <laughs> a certain amount of humility that some people's minds cannot stomach um, to kind of twist a phrase. So it's <laughs> interesting to hear somebody of your caliber of, oh, of you. mentation um, to hear your path towards faith. Uh, well, okay. I, I'm, 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 I feel like the prettiest girl at the prom, right, is that I have two choices that I'm deciding between, which is Catholicism and Orthodoxy. Catholicism, looking a bit cucked. So I'm aiming more cucked. towards Orthodoxy. Yes. Sure, because the, yeah. lit, the yeah, least yeah. West, the best, it yes. seems like. Yeah. So Orthodoxy seems to be a little bit better. And I, I agree with a lot of the Orthodox beliefs. I like listening to Orthodox uh, sermons. Um, what is it? What What is the poetic or aesthetic um, response oh, it's, you it's gain? The from tradition. That? 
the tra- like just the the tradition and the um you know speaking of the academic stuff is that I, i'm very much into the idea of ritual i think and i think it's very important actually for humans to have rituals because it's how we pass on ideas and values generationally mm-hmm. so one of the reasons i i one of my favorite movies is, is uh, since we were talking about movies earlier too, it, it comes full circle. Is uh, Beautiful Mind with um, oh Russell Crowe. Russell my favorite Crow, movie which is, of is, of his is uh, uh, Master and Commander. Just saw that. Yeah, again. Master and Commander. I love that great. so much. But uh, okay. it's a beautiful or Beautiful Mind uh, is yeah. about the is a biopic about Dr. John Nash, who was born a couple hollers over from me, where I was well, where I grew up in in West Virginia. Oh yeah, and okay. He was, so yeah, you guys grew so up in was, the same water table. So you get yeah, the same, so more or less. So, yeah, same, well, uh, same schizophrenia. No, disruptors. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dr. Nash was a, a brilliant scientist, a mathematician. He uh, was a professor at Harvard. He developed game theory, uh, and he mm. had severe schizophrenia, uh, which caused him to just implode. Uh, he he is, however, a Fields Medal scholar. Uh, and one of the things that about that movie that that always has has hit me, and this is about the ritual aspect. To go back to it, so at the end of the film. Um, when you have become professor emeritus, which is the highest thing that you can achieve in academia, that's when you don't have to really work anymore. Like you, you are what that means emeritus is that you are a professor after death at this university forever. You are a professor yeah. at this okay. university. Yeah, like that, that's that in perpetuity for all eternity. You are a professor here. Uh, and when the, the ritual there is that all the, and he this guy's been maligned because. He's got severe schizophrenia. They had to walk up and ask him, like, Dr. Nash, you seen anything today? Did you did you see anything weird? Like, or are you doing okay? Yeah. It was very bad. I mean, it had really severe schizophrenia. And uh, when you achieve Professor Emeritus, at least classically, I don't know if they still do this, but what I always, why I always wish I'd finished it, because I, I was, oh, I want the, the ritual, right? Is that all the other professors come up to you and leave you their pens on the table yeah. to show deference. I, I, and I like rituals like that. That's that kind of stuff that I like. And I think that ritual is a part of what would be more part of society. And, and that goes in. That's why I like the Orthodox Church, because it's part of the yeah. ritual. And it's why I also like Catholicism is the ritual yeah. aspect of it. Well, the, the of, woke, if they get the their signs way, of the cross, ev- there's going to be a day. F- there's going to be a trans day every day. They're, they're recreating <laughs> the Catholic calendar just out yeah. of oh, uh, God, marginalized yeah. groups. <laughs> For, I didn't think about it that way. But yeah, true. But it's a. Uh, I think ritual is also is very powerful for people, and that's actually why the left again is winning because they're creating rituals of mm. uh, mm-hmm. we have to have uh, we have to go out and do these protests yeah, and doing this way. Flag. We're going to do these protests. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's ritualistic. Say the words. Say the yep. words. Yes, you have to. Yes. Uh, Black lives matter. Trans lives matter. Say it is repeating dogma. Literally, it works mm. exactly the way that a religion does in every way. It's ritualistic. So, and that so, gets stuck in people's heads. And you, so the pattern is attractive to you and the mm-hmm. pattern connected to patterns oh, for ages yes. past. And how I, I got into it was, uh, or how I became a Christian or came, because I went to Catholic school as a kid and I went to Catholic university for my undergrad, mm-hmm. but I was an atheist at the time or would have called myself one. Of course, you're um, really self-respecting Catholics and atheists when they're a teenager. <laughs> right. <laughs> or Yeah. Or, or in the early twenties. But my family was not Catholic. They were Lutherans um, or disciples of Christ uh, on either side. But uh, the way it came back to it is that when I was got a little older, I, I did feel like there was something missing. I wanted a ritual. 
So I got into this cringe Norse pagan LARPing oh, yeah. stuff. I think I remember this from yeah. our first conversation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I got Because you were attracted to death metal guys. No, no, it wasn't was it even a that. Was thing? No, no, I want no, a Viking no. to take me. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was just, I just thought it was cool. I thought it was fascinating. I was reading all the Eddas and stuff, and I just thought it was mm. really interesting, and I thought it was fascinating. And I liked the ritual. I liked, like, oh, you have to do the blot, and you have to do, yes. these are the things, you either uh, do these things to, to pray to Odin or to, to Freya or whomever. So that was really neat. And I guess I was just being a little edgy and being like, yeah, you know, fuck Christianity, I'll be a pagan, which yeah. tons of young people do. Um, and that then that kind of dissipated for a while. Then I almost died in 2020 or 2021. Um, 2021, yeah. Uh, I got to, was it 2020, Bill? Right, right, in 2020. Um, I had lost so much weight from not being able to eat that I got down to about 60 pounds. And uh, I had uh, all I could do, all I was doing was drinking, was just drinking alcohol, and I was not eating um, to cope with like internet stress, I guess, or something. This is in I, 2020, I really 2021. Oh, yeah. And it was after I got COVID, right after I got COVID, I stopped. I got, we got the earliest version of COVID here, like the really okay. early one, right off, like literally a boat came in from China to the island here, and we got like the first strand of COVID. And then after that, I couldn't eat, I didn't eat for three months straight, essentially, anything besides liquor. That was the only source of calories I had. So I lost a huge amount. I was already thin. And then I got down to about 60 pounds. And I had a seizure. Went to the hospital. They told Bill, my husband, that I was brain dead. And I would never wake up. I had a hole in my brain caused by something called Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome. Uh, which is, you know, when like the, you hear old stories from the 1800s of like alcoholics going nuts. That's Wernicke-Korsakoff syndrome. Uh, luckily, the hole was in some place that some area of gray matter that didn't really uh wasn't uh oh important. yeah it's your it's your your leftism got it it was the part of your brain that stored your leftism right <laughs> well i mean i was doing this for long before that that happened yeah. but it was uh when you have a near-death experience like that yeah it's it, i think you know it, it changes your perspective on things of realizing how incredibly delicate life is and mm -hmm. how and it was like, oh, I, I think I need to find some greater meaning. And so I found a lot of um, comfort in the church and in Jesus. And that, so that, that's actually how I became a Christian and dropped mm. the, the cringe Norse pagan LARPing. No offense to Norse pagans, but I think I was being cringe about it probably. Mm. So mm. that's, what, what's that's your, that story. What's your year looking like content-wise? What's coming up for you? Okay, the video about false rape accusations, um, that's taken a really long time to work on because that's very difficult to work on. It's just it's just hard. Morally? The, I mean, uh, morally. emotionally, I guess? Emotionally, uh, emotionally, yeah. yeah. Emo okay. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't, look, I can't say the word everybody's rape. everybody's getting fucked in this conversation. Right. <sighs> oh, the videos, there's almost no way it's getting monetized. So I'm working all of this for... Prospect, yeah. Um, well, I'm working on it for the, to, to have the truth out there because the truth matters more than, than lies to me. That's what I care about predominantly is trying to come to some semblance of truth on mm -hmm. questions. Um, mm -hmm. and so I, I don't like, I, and, and what I despise more than anything else is bad maths. I don't like bad maths and I really don't like people who lie about mathematics. It really, really, really irritates me. 
So when I see a whole bunch of studies What's worse, repeating, lying with math or lying about math, which is which is uh, more lying with math, lying about math that you've conducted, or 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 playing little games. That's mm. the worst one for me. I I can't stand that one, and that's what I found in the, the in some of this research was. Oh, well, I see what you did there. And the thing is that these scholars, they know that nobody but other scholars know how to read it. And that if they get challenged on it, they'll just challenge back and say, well, hmm. you, you have a political... It's happened. It happened in... Um, there was a big discussion back and forth between some scholars about the prevalence of... About whether or not games cause violence, right? Violent hmm. video games produced video games, a violent reaction. And when one group of scholars say yes... Another group of scholars reply and they say, actually, we reviewed your data and it's all a bunch of file drawer stuff that was never published. Uh, that That's a malarkey, to use a Bidenism. And yeah. then the first group responded back of, uh, you're just a bunch of loser gamers. Essentially. No, they said it in an academic way, but you're just a bunch <laughs> of loser gamers who can't be objective. Yeah. It's like, yeah, okay. Except for the, the, the second meta-analysis that they conducted, the people you know, going back against it was actually robust and used outside data that wasn't well, we can't show you the data because it's in our file drawer. It's not been published. Oh, please. Like, uh, don't play games with me like that. But it takes... I know people are like, getting very afraid about AI, that they're worried that AI is going to take over everybody's job. Yeah, and it's going to turn everybody black. Well, at least everybody <laughs> well, in yeah. history. <laughs> yeah. Which um, is fine, but it's just not or accurate. accurate. I, at <laughs> least uh, according to my history, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe. Gemini's well, right. Maybe. But uh, I think my the best value that I have in terms of making YouTube videos it, is that I know how to read this stuff and I can read yep. through the lines on what academics are saying and what yeah. they're saying, right? Yeah. And what they're doing. Uh, that chat GPT can't do that yet. Probably soon, but not yet. It can't figure out like, oh, 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 no, 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 no. I saw, no, I see what you did there. And I know the yeah. study that you're citing. That's, you studied it wrong. That's so it's going to be going through... Um, the uh, some of the the most commonly do you cited have a peer studies. Do review process before you publish, or do you do it all yourself? I, I yeah, all the research is mine. Or okay. in terms of everything that I write, everything. So that I, I guess collect. like publishing it is a form of peer review because then you get feedback from your audience or yeah, whoever picks it up. I would okay. say, yeah. um, but I mean, yeah, sure, it is. It's out there. Is that well, all the studies I cite are peer reviewed in and of themselves, and I'm doing yeah. what I would call a literature review. So, okay. and if you don't, and if you don't believe me, you can peer review me and say that. Well, I, you can go read the study and figure out if I'm lying. I'm not. Yeah. I just, I just, I just. And that's why I put the graphs on the screen. So it's like, hey, if you don't believe me, here it is. Yeah. Like there it is. Like yeah. I, I'm not making this up. Or, or I can't remember you. Vision. You did. You did receive some pushback just last year, and I can't remember <laughs> yeah. what it was about. But you attack helicopter a... study. Was that, that it? The attack that helicopter it? study. It, that that's the best way to deal with communists is that the question oh, that the study was no. answering uh there's a study that was published out of oregon state about that was called white supremacy and attack helicopters oh the the conspiracy theory like the glowies no. no 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 this was a, you can't find this video on youtube because it's been removed uh and i can't re-upload it no matter how many times i've tried to fight it can we talk because... about it or should we not talk about it no, we can, i can talk about it it's fine okay the, the gist of it is there was a study that was published by some scholars out of Oregon State called Attack Helicopters and White Supremacy or the other way around. Um, and it was... White Supremacy's they, got its hands in so many things. It's such an efficient ideology. It was just an abysmal study where they 
they basically they offered uh, students uh, or, or participants, I think it was like a $5 or $10 Amazon gift card to answer their survey about uh, the experiences of non-binary and transgender people in academia okay. at, at Oregon State. And then, so here's how you don't conduct research is you say at the very first step, are you transgender or gender non or gender non-binary? And then you say, no, as is 99.98% of the population or 99.8%. And then it says, no, you're not, you're not, you're not eligible. Bye. Now you put that at the end or you don't okay. tell them at all. And then yeah. you say, we're, you know, we're entering you into a raffle where you could win the gift card, the Amazon yeah, gift card. Okay. So what happened was. When they you, incentivized you, certain answers. No, but they incentivized everyone to say, yes, I am transgender and gender non or gender non-binary. Yeah. And then so when people got kicked from the study, they just reloaded the page and said, yes, I am. And now you've created uh, some uh, psychological reactants. They're mad now that you told them they couldn't get the gift card because yeah. they're not part of this group. Again, the normal way of going about this research would be to just say, we're going to enter you into a raffle or wait until they've completed the study to ask that final question before yeah. you just, you, you, you know, um, kick them out of, of the data that you're um, collecting. So they got a bunch of answers of people saying like, yes, I identify as an, an attack, Apache attack helicopter. And they're, cause they're mad now. They're really angry because you kicked them out of the research. It's very but obvious what happened. They're free. Amazon gift card. Yes. I want my, Am I want my $5 Amazon gift card, please. Like and they're a bunch of college students. So they're broke. I get it. I think, yeah, I think it was five bucks, but still five bucks is five bucks. Yeah. And then they went and cried there. Oh, the paper was just so like pathetic, just crying and crying about how two of the authors had to, uh, take time off of work they had to take a sabbatical because they were so upset by reading the responses of people trolling them yeah. and um i just read the paper i read through it i went through the methods i went through the responses which were hilarious and i i, I looked at the curriculum of the authors this is a published piece of research it's all public i was the video was struck down for a privacy complaint because one of the authors, uh -huh. who was a graduate student at the time, or PhD student, excuse me, uh, did not want their name to be public, even though I used their dead, or I didn't use their dead name or anything. I used their transgender name. I used, I, I was very clear. The University of Oregon put out a video about this person, like highlighting them as student of the year. I'm not joking. Mm -hmm. And then the University of Oregon deleted that video after mine went up and I exposed their paper as being shitty. I exposed your paper as being shitty. I went through all the mathematics and methods about why it was crappy. And then they didn't like it. All of a sudden, they won't retract the paper. That's interesting. They won't retract the paper, but they forced me to retract. I can't, I, the video can't go back up. Yeah, I was really angry about that for a while because, um, and I kept contacting the University of Oregon. I contacted the provost. I, I went all the way up to the provost. I went from the their age, like every single level at, at University of Oregon for months, actually, trying to get them to listen to me. And they wouldn't. They just said, nope, we don't care. Because um, they want to hide it. Because that's, that's hiding. You want to cover up your your mistake. You've made a huge mistake. You've made a giant mess. But that's the state of academia. Mm, is yeah. that they don't they can't be honest. So Sheesh. they publish horrible things like attack helicopters and white supremacy, and then um, try to get any evidence of it. Again, type it into Google. You can find the study. You can find it with all of their names right on it, very proudly, yeah. very proudly displayed under the title. All mm. of the names of the scholars involved. 
But uh, yeah, they had to delete my video. That was yeah. the the issue I had last year. Yeah. Yeah. Curious though. Yeah, I I I don't have a lot of faith in academia. No, well, after really that clothing gay thing either. <laughs> burn it to the ground, I think, is the only way yeah. to do it. Or yeah. the, and I covered uh, the Eric Stewart case, where that, that guy was considered a, like, a acclaimed black scholar had plagiarized all his work. Or just plagiarized, just straight up stolen it. He just stole it from other people. Um, Isn't that interesting? The ones that get ahead are mm -hmm. plagiarists, and the ones that don't get ahead are telling the truth. Yep, exactly. And, and 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 I guess the skin color matters for the people who are liars, but the people who tell the truth, the skin skin color no. actually doubly uh, matters because a black person um, like Roland Fire, yeah, Doctor Fire, he and he he was pilloried. He had to, he had to hire private security paid for by the university by Harvard because they were threatening to kill him because yeah. he found that that uh, black uh, that the cops didn't shoot. Now they they engaged in more um, violative behaviors, more aggression. But not yeah. more shootings against black people than the whites. White suspects, isn't, isn't and they wanted like to kill him for that. Such a, a novel coincidence <laughs> that 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 very um, issue mm -hmm. uh, was the accelerant for a massive color revolution. Well, color yep. people of color revolution. Um, sure. isn't, isn't it interesting that that's the one? That's the thing. Like the the shoot, cops shooting unarmed black men is the one that like the regime seems to have been. If you look at it, you know, like inculcating in the young generation to have a trigger for well, sure. It's their not. It was their. It was their Vietnam, wasn't it? Or their protest of of there's there's this great um, injustice that's happening. Yeah, we have to. Not we have to. We, yeah, we as the young people, we have to go out and fight and and use and have our voices be heard to stop black yeah. uh, innocent black men from being shot. And then again, Doctor Fryer, who's a black man, yeah. and that's this is the other thing that I found in that sort of. Um, Kerfuffle, not just with Claudine Gay, but also with um, Eric Stewart, the two plagiarists. Well, Eric Stewart actually wasn't a plagiarist. He just made stuff up. He just totally invented data, which is arguably worse, but they're both pretty bad. The people that they screwed, screwed with predominantly were other black scholars. There are two people that Claudine Gay predominantly plagiarized from or, or mistreated. She was on the panel that tried to get Roland Fire fired, had him suspended for two years with no pay from Harvard. For issuing a paper? It, no, they, their claim was that he had flirted with some girl in his lab. Oh, and he, okay. had, he had kind of flirted with her, but I saw all the messages and it was like, I was so light. So, I mean, it, was, it wasn't like, I'm going to do, uh, you know, it wasn't crazy stuff. It was... Fetching. Flirting. No, it was just yeah. it was light, light, yeah. light flirtatious of, and she'd it's be like, "I'm getting, I'm, I'm at a conference getting drunk." Yeah. Yes, right, right. Uh, it's you know, but it's because it's that's the believe all women stuff when when it's useful because again they understand power politics better than the right does. Yep, yeah. But they suspended him for two years. That Claudine Gay was on that panel. The other person is um, Dr. Carol Swain, who used to be a professor at Vanderbilt. Dr. Carol Swain is also a black woman. Uh, she, You can see her all the time on a Steve Bannon show. She goes on Fox News. She is very adamant that <laughs> that like there is no such thing, that this idea of systemic racism, such as the way that it's portrayed, is absolutely absurdist. Um, do both Dr. Swain and Dr. Fryer came up from nothing. They came up from abject yeah. poverty, yeah. worked their way through the academic system, were, are, became really were recognized for the brilliance of their work, and then we're able to ascend into this 
esteemed ivory tower. Yeah. Claudine Gay was born into privilege. Her parents were, uh, her family owned the, owns the largest concrete factory in Haiti. She went to the one of the most expensive uh, preparatory schools in the U.S. and then immediately goes to Princeton and then to Harvard and then becomes president of Harvard. Is there any more privileged, uh, you know, background than that? Hmm. Meanwhile, some guy whose mother abandons him, uh, his father's a drug addict gambler and has to be raised by his grandmother in abject poverty, ends up becoming uh, the head of a lab at Harvard by his own yeah. volition, like Dr. Fryer. Mm-mm. No, yeah. that's we shouldn't respect that. Don't respect that. Yeah. Don't listen to what he has to say. Hmm. And I don't think that either one, well, Cla- or Carol Swain is clearly conservative, but I don't think Dr. Fryer is. I think he's apolitical. I think he just cares about science, mm-hmm. which I respect. Mo- I, have, I do care about politics. I have a political belief or political yeah. beliefs. But at the end of the day, if it's not yeah. if it's not backed up by science, I don't really care. Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. I won't won't repeat it. <laughs> so you you have a pending episode mm-hmm. that's pending. Um, what else is coming up? Where can people check you out? You have you're streaming constantly. You're such a streamer. <laughs> oh God! Oh, I hate it. <laughs> Actually, uh, thirty minutes here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So. Um, yeah, I stream every Tuesday. On I have a second channel called Broken Crown. You can look it up um, on YouTube, Broken Crown. Uh, I stream there on Tuesdays. Uh, we do a, a Pathfinder game if you like nerdy stuff. Uh, mm. It's a, a Dungeons and Dragons, but Pathfinder is just another kind of Dungeons and Dragons, essentially, another system. Uh, then on Wednesdays, I do a news and politics stream with my co-host Spoon on the same channel. On Thursdays. Uh, I do a stream on Geeks and Gamers Tabletop. That's Dungeons and Dragons 5th Edition. And then, yeah, that's about it. Those are the streams I'm on every week, which is a lot, but <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and then, then we're too late for this now, but yeah, I'm d- doing some, I'm always doing something. So I'm all over the place, essentially, which is uh, stressful, but fun too. Not yeah. as stressful as Hassan makes it out to be. <laughs> well, I love that you got a camera finally. It's much more pleasant yeah. <laughs> to speak to you face to face or pixel to pixel rather than. <laughs> Icon to icon. Yeah, yeah. And uh, started doing it because everyone kept calling me an AI. Um, <laughs> I kept you know, all these. I kept getting so many comments of being like, "Well, this is because I'm speaking in like in a radio broadcaster voice when I'm reading rather than speaking yeah. extemporaneously." Yeah. And so they were like, "Well, Aiden's running all. This is just an AI. I won't watch AI generated content." So now, just I record like the first like three minutes of the video on the camera and just go, "Hey, like I'm clearly a real person. You don't have to be afraid. It's not. I, I, I'm not the the fucking Terminator. Okay, like I'm not Showdown. It's fine. Skynet. Aiden. <laughs> Skynet. 